Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez. So today we're going to look at a passage from the book of Exodus, chapter 32. Going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Probably a passage you're sort of familiar with, not necessarily memorizing the verses or so forth, but the story that is told here. I say story, I don't mean an untrue, made-up story. I'm talking about a historical story of what happened in regards to the people of Israel and Moses. You know, God had a very special relationship with Moses. And it's taken out of the book of Exodus. You know, the, uh, the Ten Commandments was in the book of Exodus. And, and often God would, would have some fellowship with Moses. Moses would go away and, and meet with God. But the focus isn't really uh, Moses or God. Today it's on the people. So I'll read verses 1 through 6 of Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods. Who will go before us? As for this fellow Moses who has brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in reverie. So the title of today's sermon is Idols. The topic is Idols. We're going to talk about idols. Now, if you're familiar with God's Word, which I know most of you are, God forbids idols. And we could go through many verses. And we're not even going to go through these. But there's so many verses where God is t telling the people to stay away from idols. To destroy their idols. Not to worship idols. Last year when I was teaching our students at our school, World of Religions, we went to a Hindu temple. And in the Hindu temple, they have a very, one part of it is a very sacred building. And in fact, what you do is you, you go to this other building and you take your shoes off. And then you go outside of that building, you walk up the stairs, and then you go in this other building, which I think it may be like 100% marble. Just a beautiful building, and every inch of the building, as soon as you walk inside, has engravings on it. It's really just a, a sight to see. Uh, a very, very beautiful. But you walk around that building, and guess what they have? They have statues. Now, at first we walked in, you would see people standing in front of them, but you're mainly distracted by the decorations and, and even the idols themselves. And the idols, they were like little statues, probably about that tall. And you could probably get within eight feet of them, and then you just look at them. They're a little bit further, further back there in a, a little sort of a, a hole, I guess you would say. 
and you would just look at them. And a lot of people you would see would be standing in front of them. And then every now and then you see somebody who was actually sort of praying to them. And there's, they have, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 different idols. And you just walk around the room and it has a little plaque telling you about each one. This is the God of, of so-and-so. And this is sort of why we consider him important or hurt. And, uh, but one thing that really struck me, it really didn't hit me until about the time we were leaving, there was a lady that actually sat down in front of one of the idols and was, had her eyes closed and, and maybe was praying or, or meditating. But that picture in my mind, I doubt if I will ever forget when I think of somebody worshiping an idol, I actually saw that. That was what it was like. We read in the Bible about people worshiping idols, and you're like, well, you know, what does that really look like? I don't know. I, I remember being in, I think, in junior high school and went to like a Greek Parthenon, and they had a replica of a, a huge statue that people would worship. I don't know. It was like 75 feet tall. It was huge. But, it's, but you see it, and, and you're told that people worshiped it, but you didn't see people worship it. But it's very interesting we went to the Hindu temple where you actually visually saw people worshiping the idol. Well, what exactly is an idol? Actually, if you look at the definition, well, the first definition I ran across was an image or represent, a representation of a god used as an object or worship. But then I ran across John Piper's definition, and I really like that one. Anything that we come to rely on for some blessing or help or guidance in the place of a wholehearted reliance on the true and living God. So we read the Old Testament about a golden calf and they worship that. When you even hear me talk about the Greek Parthenon or statues at the Hindu temple. Yes, those are idols, but those aren't the only idols. You don't have to physically bow down and say, oh, you're my God. And, and act like a form of worship for it to be an idol. But something that you're relying on for a blessing or help or guidance not that those things are bad, but it's bad when it's in place of a wholehearted reliance on the true and living God. And in our day and age, this is an example of what some idols would look like. In 1 John 5, 21, New Testament, near the end of the, end of the Bible, 1 John 5.21, I love this verse because it's so simple. I didn't write, I put it up there because it's so small and simple. Just, I think it closes that chapter in John. Maybe the last book in John. It says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Just stay away from them. What kind of idols do we see today? Well, idols can take all different kinds of forms. Money is an idol. And you know that because I promise you at some time in your life, if you're not worshiping money now, you have. We all have. Our society is even geared towards that. I tell you this all the time. We tell our high school kids and, and uh, kids that are getting ready to go to college or in college or so forth, most important thing, get a good job to make money. If you ever talk to somebody about their kids or grandkids, 
They usually relate whether they're successful or not on how much money they're making. Well, they're very successful. They just bought a brand new house and they got another car. They just went and got a boat. They're not, they don't mention about if they're happy or not. Are they at peace with themselves and with God? But money, houses, trophies, fame, cars, even family members. It could be kids or grandkids. And there's probably a time having kids myself where that, we probably all as parents have worshipped our kids at some time. I'm not a grandparent yet, but I have a feeling I'm a grandparent. I may have that issue with the grandkids too. But that, just because they're family doesn't mean that we need to worship them. Are we completely relying on God for some blessing, some help, or guidance? Or are we relying on something else for that? I want to focus this morning on idols, but not necessarily giving you a list and, and focus on what idols are or the different kinds of idols that we worship today. But I found myself not too long ago doing a little self Reflection. You know, if you ever do that, it's a little dangerous. But I think as Christians, we don't do it enough. I think God has put it in my mind. It's like a uh, spiritual checkup. Every now and then, you just need to check in with the doctor. Just to see. Or the dentist. Or depending on your age and what's going on. But you need to check in just to see if you're maintaining good health. Well, I think there's times when we need to just stop, do some self-reflecting, and see how our spiritual health is. Because most of us, we just run around, we're so busy, and we're distracted, and we feel like we're doing stuff. Well, I went to church, I went to this Bible study, or I helped this person out, and, and, and then it is doing good things, read the Bible, and pray, and, and so forth, and doing all this. And then I'll look, and I realize, I'm moving, but I really didn't go anywhere. Was learning in physics about distance and displacement. Distance would have been how far I traveled. Displacement is how far I moved. The example we learned in, in physics is uh, you watch the Indianapolis 500. How many miles did they go there? 500 miles. But you know, well, how far are they displaced? They started at one spot and they ended at the same exact spot. They made no progress. And I feel like that is the case with most of us as Christians. We're moving around, we're busy, we're doing stuff, but then if we stop and it says to ourselves, hey, I'm in the same place I was a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago spiritually. I haven't advanced any. So I'm going to encourage you, do some self-reflecting. Spiritual self-reflecting. I also want to warn you, it's not fun. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. Because what God will do is He will reveal some sins that you got going on. We talked about sins a little bit last week. He will show you what's your heart, what is really in your heart. He will show you things that you need to clean up. Or you need to allow Him to clean up. So anyway, I was doing a little bit of that. And I found myself things going on in my life and I feel like God was saying hey there's there's an idol in your life and it needs to be taken out 
But then I started reflecting on, you know what? Here I am. I'm a pastor of a church. I got a doctrine in apologetics and I go to church all the time. I teach at a Christian school. You know, as far as my credentials, I should be up there as far as a Christian. Why am I worshiping an idol? And so I, I, I feel like God, uh, sort of asked God that question. He revealed some things to me on reasons why we worship idols. Why do we do it in the first place? So we're going to look through that with a little acronym of idols. I think one of the, one of the main reasons, or one of the many reasons I should probably say, probably a little more accurate, is we look at God as being insufficient. We don't think God will give us everything that we need. God, you've given me all of this, but there's something over there I want. And I can only get it by going over there. You're not going to provide that for me, God, like I want. So I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to try to get it from this or from that. I think God is insufficient. That what He has for us is not enough. And it's so silly because then we start chasing the idol and then as we start worshiping the idol, guess what we eventually find out? There's no satisfaction there. There's no satisfaction at all. It's like uh, a drug or something that we take. There's just maybe temp temporary distraction or temporary enjoyment, but then we need a little bit more and a little bit more. And we're going down this rabbit trail thinking to get a blessing or, or, or help or guidance or something from this idol, some satisfaction. And then we get down here and we realize I'm worse off than I was before. It never ends. I never get satisfied. Another reason why we worship idols is that we deny the Word of God. I'm a Christian and I believe the Word of God. I remember when I was young, the pastors or so forth uh, uh, tell me, like, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. And somebody, like even the glossary as well, and, and the maps at the end. Just talking about how they believe, how they believe the Bible. Yet if we really believe the Bible, we wouldn't deny the Word of God. David, so much in Psalms, he talked about that God being his shepherd and just providing every need that he has. God does that. Any need that you have, he provides it. He promises us that in his word. But many of us as believers, we just, we just don't believe it. Yeah, that's good, God. And, and yeah, you probably provide some stuff, but I need this over here. You're not providing this. I need this over here to bring me happiness, to bring me joy, to bring me satisfaction. Reasons why we worship idols, we believe God is insufficient and we deny the word of God. But we also overestimate the joys that the idol provides. It always leads to more desire and never to permanent satisfaction. We always think we're, we have God in that Fills us up pretty good, but then we see something. But if I have that, it'll make me happier. Did it work out good for you? It never does, does it? And at first, sometimes it's temporary happiness. 
but then it never, it never stays. I always bring up the example because it's so funny raising kids and, and being around kids. Um, a lot of complaining and never satisfied. Getting ready to come up on Christmas. <laughs> Buy the kids some toys. And you think, I'm going to make sure I love my kids. I'm going to make sure they get the toys that they really want this year. And then we go get them. And then guess what? And then more and more. And the cycle goes on. And I, and I say that about kids because we we've all seen that. But a lot of us haven't done the self-reflecting and understand we do the exact same thing. We're never satisfied. And God will give us something. Maybe it's something we even prayed for. And then God will provide. And then we're like, yes, that's awesome. I'm happy for now. But a week or two later, I need more. I need something else. We're not content. And we need more and we overestimate uh, the joys that the idol provides. We just think we can get happiness, fulfillment, and satisfaction from these idols. So we go to them. And we chase one idol, it doesn't work out. So then we just chase another idol, it doesn't work out. Chase another idol, it doesn't work out. I ain't going to lie to you. I used to worship the, the idol of, of professional football. No longer. <laughs> but you were never satisfied. Because I always wanted my team to win. And my team that I rooted for, I want to tell you I'm so embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> they didn't win much. But when they did win, I was pretty happy. But guess how long it lasted? One week. And then the next week, forgot all about the week before. And now they had to win again. And if they didn't, all that happiness I had the week before was gone. And we just think, oh, I'll be so happy. They just need to win this game. And then they win it. We're, we're excited. But then it fades away. Reasons why we worship idols. Really didn't know how to put it. So I just put, we like sin. We're sinners. There's a part of us. I believe there's a part of us that's drawn to God. But I also believe there's a part of all of us that's drawn to sin. We just like it. We're attracted to it. And we have to live very disciplined lives as a Christian. It takes discipline. But we like sin. And every idol that we have, it may not even be a bad thing. But what happens, it's replacing God so it ends up being bad. Sometimes we, we get bad a little bit and it feels good. We're drawn to sin. Idols are a sin. The people, the uh, people of Israel, when Moses wouldn't come down, they had reason. They had pretty good reason to build an idol. Moses left them. So they felt God had left them. So let's make the best of the situation. So they built an idol. Got all the gold and they, they got this golden calf and they started worshiping it, but it didn't stop there. That's one thing idols do. Even they, what we consider not a bad thing, but once you start worshiping, it will lead to bad things. 
And the last verse I read to you was not that they, they built an idol and then just bowed before it. But then they built an altar in front of the idol. And at the end there, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in reverie, in debauchery, in bad things, in sinful behavior, because that's where the worship of idol leads. It leads away from God and it leads into sin. And we like sin. Reasons why we worship idols? We're not content with what God has provided. We're always, always seeking more. We always want more. And the reason why we, we want more, it's not a material issue. It is a spiritual issue. Most of us don't look at ourselves as really rich. I'd say raise your hand if you're rich. Probably nobody raised their hand. They say, well, I'm comfortable. I'm, I don't do without, but I'm not rich. I'm not like the, the guy down the street who, whatever, owns a, a huge yacht and has four cars and, and all these other things. We look at ourselves and we think we're not that rich. Therefore, we keep seeking. We need more things. We need more money. We need more achievement. We need more prosperity. We're never content with what God has given us. We need to have a feeling of contentment. And what I've learned about myself and from watching others is that it is a spiritual issue. And it's amazing how you're, when you are right with God, it's amazing how much more content you are. And actually, when you're right with God and you're sold out completely to God, it's amazing how much more generous you are. Giving up your time, giving up your energy, giving up your money. Just things don't matter to you as things don't matter to you as much, and people matter to you a little bit more. But we're always seeking more, and actually I think this is one of the things that's really at the heart of it, of idol worship. Is not being content with what God has provided for us. And you mentioned earlier, Jehovah Jireh. Do you know what that means? So the name for God means God will provide. And do you know where that came from? It actually came from Genesis chapter 22. When God introduces himself in the Bible, Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide, it's not in the context of snacks or cars or money or bills. It's in the context of the most profound physical need a person can face, the loss of life. In Genesis 22, we read the story of Abraham being commanded by God to take his son Isaac to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Isaac was the son of promise. Remember, he told Abraham, your descendants will be many. For him to have descendants, he needed to have children. How many children did he have at that time? One. And what did God tell him to do, to do with that one son? He said to go sacrifice him. A miraculous gift from God when Abraham and Sarah were old. He was the promised child whom God had promised to make into a great nation. 
He was God's provision, or so it seemed until God said to lay him on the altar and offer him as a sacrifice. In Genesis 22, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. He said, Take your son and your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. When they came to the place in which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. He obeyed in the belief that God would provide a miracle of some kind. And God did. A ram caught in a thicket as a substitute offering. As these two, Abraham and Isaac, were traveling up the hill, the son bearing the wood, and the father with the sad burden of the fire and the knife, the boy said, Where is the lamp? And Abraham, thrusting down his emotion and steadying his voice, said, My son, God will provide himself a lamp. When the wonderful issue of the trial was plain before him and he looked back upon it, the one thought that rose in his mind was of how beyond his meaning his words had been true. So he named that place by a name that spoke nothing of his trial, but everything of God's provision. The Lord will provide. As Christians, we need to say the name Jehovah Jireh probably to ourselves every day. Now, I don't understand that the Lord will provide, but He does provide. God has given us so many blessings. He has protected us and has taken care of us for so many years. How dare we, as followers of Him, not be content with what God has given us? For what God has given each and every one of us, it is enough and I think it's important to tell ourselves that over and over again and often what God has given is enough this is all I need I may want a lot of other things but this is all I need and God knows best and this is what he has given me I'll never be more loved than I am right now wasn't holding you up so there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you cry I'll never be more loved than I am right now Ooh. Going through a storm, but I won't go
on the mountain top I can see so clear what it's all about So stay by my side when the sun goes Shane Perez hopes this lesson encourages you and equips you to minister to others with your walk as a Christian. We would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at Ministries at yahoo.com. 